Welcome to Spread Talk with Pam and John, also known as The Calm, Before the Storm. Our purpose is to elevate the conversation and amplify special education resources. And our why is about making the impossible possible. So this morning we're out in Lubbock, Texas, also known as Big Sky Country. And so Spread Talk has been here for the Cotton Bowl and just wanted to share with you, we have new members and want to introduce the new members and also talk about our friend John Bouillon, or Dr. John, as we like to say. John has become a superintendent for Morgan ISD. He started about a couple of weeks ago, and he's not leaving Sped Talk, but he does have other responsibilities, but he will be on with us every now and then when he has the opportunity. So this is still Sped Talk with Pam and John, but sometimes without John, which is a first, because normally it's, it tends to be without Pam. But this time it's going to be without John. And so we just wanted to take the opportunity to meet the Spad Talk crew, because we have grown. I think you, our audience, you, I think you're going to like who we have. And I'm going to turn it over to Patty Garcia, and she's going to introduce herself and tell, tell you something about her. And Patty, take it away. Sure. So I'm Patty Garcia from Region 14 in Abilene, Texas. I joined SPEDTALK, well, less than a year ago. And the reason that I joined SPEDTALK is because I got excited about uh, what Pam and John and the rest of the crew had been talking about in their podcast. And I'm really excited that it's we're looking at new formats to bring to you. Um, but my background is a licensed specialist in school psychology. And again, I'm excited for this group. And I'm going to let Marissa introduce herself because I feel like um, we've got some new, some really new members. And I'm excited about the new members too. Thank you so much, Patty. Hello, my name is Marissa King from Region 18. I'm very new to this position. I've been a liaison for four months now. And I've been in SPED Talk about three months. The reason why I wanted to join SPED Talk, I thought a lot of Pam and John, I listened to some of their SPED Talks right after our first liaison week and became interested in SPED Talk. Very much out of my comfort zone, but I wanted to push myself um, in this new role. My background includes gen ed. I was a gen ed teacher, and then I moved into administration. My last role, I served as the district testing coordinator. Totally new role, and I'm very excited to be on SPED Talk. I'll turn it over to Kara. Yes, what a treat it is this morning. Um, I kind of want to giggle for a second because when Patty said we're new, she means we're new. I think I've been in my liaison role at the service center for about two months. My A little bit about my background. My name is Kara Skidgel and I'm a special education liaison at Region 16. One thing I really, really love about the position at the service center and as a liaison is that we get to serve with purpose in the area of special education. Uh, when I attended my first liaison week and I saw there was a podcast, I thought, wow, that really, <laughs> that like speaks to me in a way because there's a need definitely to elevate the conversation in special education, to hear from leaders, how they shape their decisions, how they solve 21st century solutions and the world of special education. So I'm, I'm really happy to be joining this team. I can't wait to see where everything takes us. Pam, I think Kara just kind of put us in the spotlight by pointing out some things that I don't know if we can accomplish. That Those are high, those are high expectations. <laughs> what do you say to that? <laughs> yes, they are high expectations, Jen. But I think going with Kara said, and also looking back to where we began, 
because this was a podcast that John and I just thought of. I had a very selfish reason for doing it. And my selfish reason was because I was getting very tired of repeating graduation options for special education students in Texas. And I thought if I can put it in a podcast, maybe I, people can record, I can record it and people can listen to it. I've never done that episode yet. So. <laughs> but, but I think there's something about sending information in this format that people can listen to over and over and, and say, okay, I got this now. And whatever, whatever the 24, 21st uh, century problems are, we might have people on who have solutions, who can share those solutions with, the, with our listeners. We still need to introduce people. All right, Jen. Okay, well, I'm Jennifer De Leon. I've been with the um, liaison group now going on my third year, and I, was a, I became a part of SPED Talk from that very first month when I started. And so for me, it was just because I got excited about the messages, the, the, the podcast that I'd been listening to prior to that. It was like, okay, they've got some great messages. I'd like to add to that. I'd like to see how I could help it grow. And so that was, that was my reason for wanting to join. And then, you know, getting to know Pam and John and and Evan, you know, because it was just the, the small group when we first started. And now we went from four to eight, you know, and John's going to be with us, not going to be with us. He was really hoping to be here today, but, you know, other obligations are keeping him from being here. But John is just, you know, our, our intro, the calm before the storm, John is definitely the storm. And Pam manages to ground him and bring him, you know, where he needs to be. And then we've got Evan in the background who kind of pulls us all together and kind of sit, lines us out. And so it's, it's a great group and I'm glad to be a part of it. Um, so I'm Monica Quesada from Region 19. I have been with SPED Talk for about a year and it has been super amazing. Talk about pushing boundaries. Definitely this is what that does. It pushes you to do new things. Um, I am somehow in charge of YouTube and technology. And I think I have announced that so many times to the group. I have some skills, but technology is not one of them. But I have learned a lot and it's really because this group encourages you lifts you up, tells you that you can. And the message that SPED Talk really sends out to everybody is that idea that um, we need to share what we know. You know, we shouldn't hold it in. We should make sure that we're celebrating all those things. And I think SPED Talk does a beautiful job of doing that, not only in the people that are running SPED Talk, but in how we're getting that message out. And so I know, at least in El Paso, we really celebrate it in our service center and um, people are listening and hearing our, our messages. Yeah, that, I think that's great. I'm Evan Heckman from Region 10, and Pam, John, and I are three of the remaining original liaisons from 2017. And what you've just heard and seen here, and what I really like about what's happened with SPED Talk since its inception, is that we have seven different service centers represented at this table. John represents an eighth, and over the years, we've had people from Region 9, Region 20. So you start to understand the potential for different people to bring to the group and to the table from different areas of the state, different types of expertise. You heard Marissa talk about her background. If you've heard me talk before, you know I was a principal for a long time. So the group is made up of so many different people from different areas with different strengths and backgrounds that it really allows us, sort of like Monica said, to share our experiences, what we have and what we know. 
I want to also talk just briefly about us being here right now. This year is year six of that liaison grant. We have a slightly different schedule for these meetings where we come together as liaisons. And in September, we were at my service center in Richardson in Region 10. Here we are in Jen's yep. service center in Region 17 in May. We'll be at Kara's service center in Amarillo. So an opportunity for us to go around to the state and, and witness what's happening there, take our show on the road, so to speak, uh, as Monica spoke about sharing it. We are doing things differently than were being done in 2018 when John and Pam sort of started this process. Uh, this is evidence of that by having a video format here, but also as you heard Monica speak about she's sort of overseeing how we get these things out to YouTube. And maybe that's an area where she's stretching and growing. And I take on editorial rights and I cut things up and make sure that the audio is ready to go. And prior to joining this team, that's not something I had ever done. So I think aside from us getting message out to you, it's also an opportunity for us to grow as individuals so that we can maybe better benefit everyone else out there with the product that, that we put together. I think this project has definitely brought all of us out of our comfort zone. I mean, because I don't think any of us imagined that we would be sitting interviewing someone, you know, just an audio podcast, but then even go pushing that even further. We've had two opportunities now to sit in front of a camera and to actually get a video added onto the, the audio portion. And so I, you know, that that's something we've we talked about when we were at Region 10, you know, this is definitely different for all of us. This is something, you know, and for some of you, this is the first time being a part of the podcast itself and we're in front of a camera. And so, yes, it's going to push us and it's going to make us uncomfortable. But that isn't that what our project is all about? Isn't that what as liaisons, it's about getting out of the comfort zone. It's about bringing school districts to do something different. What are those 21st century solutions? How can we bring that forward? Well, this is a 21st century solution for us because we're out of our comfort zones. And so it, it's really pushing us and pushing our boundaries and, and, and you know, what are we willing to do? Yeah, what are, so you bring up some good points. I, I love the fact that we are growing and moving and it all starts with an idea, right? Right. An idea is sparked and you get a room full of liaisons and we do something with that idea right we make it happen but like how might we bring this in video format and how might we bring this in other languages so we've talked about that in the past too and so we're we're working on on that as well and when we talk about what we all do in different roles i've now taken the role of kind of scheduling uh, those interviews which i'm enjoying but let's talk about the exciting stuff that's happening i love that kara joined us because you mentioned even how we would make sure that we advertise a little through possibly TikTok. Do you want to talk a little oh, bit about that? Sure. Yeah. I, I, I feel like yesterday, um, actually, I guess it was Monday and Tuesday in the Cotton Bowl that we were hosting in our special ed directors. They really, you know, you could tell from their questions and from the things that they shared with us in their surveys that they, they want more information, right? And, and you guys as a team are shared messages from SPED Talk, but also get information into into our community our educational community and and help them see you know special education is a hot topic and there are a lot of things that we can help address and bring awareness to through TikTok. the thing i love most about TikTok is it's just playful and it's fun and quick 
and an easy way for people to access knowledge and grow. I, I know myself, I, I watch TikToks and I'm like, oh, I learned something new every time I get on there, you know? So I'm kind of excited about that to explore that option with you guys and and build that platform together. You know, Carrie, that's awesome because like not all of us are, you know, adept to learning that way. You know, some of us are a little old school and that's okay. Some of our directors are as well. They receive information, but we need to breathe new light into what we're doing. We have kids who may be listening to our podcast. We have classrooms who might be using this for their classrooms at the university level. And so we're dealing with, you know, 18 to 25 year olds and TikTok appeals to them. And so if we can bring the message that we're trying to bring, which is just what is happening across the state, the amazing things and people that are really changing the way that education is happening for our students with special needs. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. You know, and Marissa, you also, you're, I think you might even be our youngest here. I, I'm pretty sure you are. I think Absolutely. is the youngest lady. But you come on. in with this energy and you're so ready. And she pulls her camera out, thank God, because none of us have thought of that in almost the last six years. Um, and we realized that when Evan needed a, made a call out to us for some pictures. And so, you know, if you could just tell a little bit about your role and, and how you're going to make us even better than what it's been in the past six years. Of course. I, two weeks ago, I think, took on the role of being the historian and the history started long before I was here but I started capturing those moments when we were in region 10 um, we had our first video podcast and I thought it was just really neat it was really neat to see my co-workers up there in front of a camera talking about their expertise so I'm really excited about that I snapped a few pictures this morning of everyone's sitting around getting ready to begin the podcast and our setup here so i'm i'm excited about being the historian and and uh, moving forward in that that capacity right okay. if, if you don't tell our story who will exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we haven't been very good about sharing <laughs> what we do so well we're good about telling other people's stories how about that, <laughs> yeah, how about that? okay i'm gonna make a little shift here and you guys didn't i'm sorry i didn't tell you i'm gonna make this shift Thinking about special education today, I'm going to ask one question, and the question based on your experiences and your involvement in special education, what do you see as the most challenging thing or, yeah, I guess thing, I don't have another better word for that, that, that special education directors are, are dealing with or even special education teachers are having to address? We're going to start with me. I'm, I'm going to start with whoever wants to jump in <laughs> into Pam's madness right now. So whoever wants. So to Pam, before we answer that for clarification, you want us to think about what is the biggest challenge. maybe the biggest challenge that our special education directors are faced with today. Exactly, or your special education teachers. Okay. Because some of us work more directly with teachers, sure, in different areas. Because one thing you have to think about: what's sitting at this table? These tables are people with varying experience, working with different people in special education. And so I just want—I mean, this is a rare moment to have people with different backgrounds and experiences, just to share out to listeners about what you know what you're seeing throughout the state. Because every you know, what six regions, seven regions are. Are represented here so yeah 
You okay. could have given us warning to well, prepare for. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about I get started? I think that's I a great a, idea. Pat. Thank you, I do have an idea. Okay. Um, that maybe we can just talk about, and I'm glad that Monica's here because you can probably talk about your district. But one of the things that I hear some of our directors talk about is burnout and also staffing. Like they're losing their staff, and staff are moving to in other professions and so really finding good quality related service personnel has been a challenge yeah i i agree with you i come from a really big district i was a diagnostician and then prior to that a general ed teacher but in this field now as a liaison i've been able to go out into smaller rural schools and i had no idea the issues that they dealt with and staffing is one of them but something that i hear over and over now is time i really think that time works against special education it's not that there's not information out there there's great trainings out there there's lots of information publications all kinds of things you can read about and so we're giving it to them in huge doses but yeah. there's not time for them to cement it in to make it meaningful to practice it to come back and then make sure that they know it well so that it becomes a real practice and i think that is something that it, it hurts our our teachers who are trying to write plaffs and goals and objectives because they have these little windows of time when they go in and they're supposed to create this magnificent piece that talks about the student and then go right back to teaching a class and so that's really hard for directors who are pulled in all different directions and all kinds of meetings, trying to get the word out to these huge um, departments that they have. And then Gen Ed, Gen Ed really trying to bridge that compassion they feel for our students in special education with what they know and what else they need to know. So, you know, I, I really think time is something that I wish I could find a way to bottle up and give it to, to all of our districts. I think that's interesting that you mentioned time because the directors in our area, they talk a lot about time and they have so many things out of their control mm -hmm. that they're responsible for. Um, and sometimes because of their lack of time and all of the things on their list, uh, they start feeling like they're taskers, like they're just doing a lot of tasks and they lose sight of the impact they actually have on student outcomes. I think a big challenge is helping our special ed directors see what they can influence and how they do and their work does directly impact student outcomes in schools, um, all the way from IP implementation to transition services. They're, they're true leaders in districts, but I'm not sure that they're always seen as a leader or that they see their, themselves as a leader. So that's something we work quite a bit on in the, uh, the region that I work in. I think another challenge that, that really surfaces is whenever you're, there's, we are still dealing in, in isolation in towers. You know, if it's, if there's something going on with a SPED student, oh, it's a SPED issue. It's not mm -hmm. a, Janet issue. It's not so you still have or you still hear people saying, well, that's not one of our kiddos. So it's not our problem. And I think that becomes really evident. You know, we did have RDA released and we've got the determination levels that were released. And so when you start talking about what needs to be in that strategic support plan, who needs to be a part of it? Who needs to be part of the planning and, and you know, the data processing and, and disaggregation? And you've got administrators at some districts that are saying, oh no, you know, our SPED director deals with that. That's a SPED issue. That's not a, a campus administration issue or it's not a district issue. And so I think that's another big challenge that we're still facing is that we're still operating in isolation and start, instead of trying to, to bring a team together to figure out what we can do, it, do with it as a system instead of a program. That's a very interesting point. I like to repeat 
the phrase a lot that people know but don't remember or don't consider, and that is that all students are gen ed first. Mm -hmm. Some yep. of them receive special education services. Yeah, right. And when we can help people remember to think of it in the context of we're all in this together, I think your point is, is well taken. I, I would mention one thing that I am hearing a lot, whether it's from teachers or whether it's from directors, and that is behavior. Yes. And it's interesting in that I had this conversation with a former Region Service Center SPED director a couple of days ago at Cotton Bowl about you say that word and it could mean five different things. Yeah. Are we talking about, right, do we need de-escalation techniques or are we talking about we need things and tips to recognize when behaviors are going to come up or is it that we need different options for once the behavior has already happened or is it right like that word could mean so many different things and so I, I recognize that that is something that we are continuing to work on in region 10 that we are looking at different options to support our teachers and our sped directors for which aspect and I think that really lends itself too to one of the things that this group has tried to do. And I say this group, A, in that the SPED Talk podcast group, but also B, the greater liaison group. And that is to try to use some design thinking principles to come up with some alternate solutions, right? Really not assuming that you know what the behavior need is and approaching it in that way, but really asking them like, you know, define your need for me, getting getting some really good feedback so that you can go through a couple of different possible iterations for what solutions might be. So that's something that we're working on in, in at Region 10 is to try to be able to support those directors and teachers so that they feel like they might get some time back because now they have a better process to try to come up with some some solutions for their behavior needs. So. Don't know if that's the biggest challenge, but that's one that we're seeing. That, that is, is a, a huge challenge, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my next one that I was going to mention. Um, behavior and mental health has been has hit us, and it's always been there, but I feel like these last few years we're hearing more of it. And what I hear some teachers or maybe even some admins say is, well, our teachers feel ill-prepared. They don't feel like they have the training and they're not licensed counselors. And I always go back to my coworker, Cody Martin, always talks about relationship. And you can get complex with thinking, well, yes, you're not licensed to provide that service, but you are human, right? And you can have a relationship with your student and it starts that simple. It starts at that level. It starts with just having conversations with your students. And I think teachers need to step back and, and understand that that's where they can have impact is building a relationship with those students. And some of those students just don't have that with anyone. And we hear stories, right? We've heard them in, on our podcast before. Um, students remember at least one teacher, right? That impacted them. I mean, we can probably all come up with that one teacher. And so just keeping that in mind that we are moving towards this, you know, mental health and behavior, but if we can simplify it enough for, for everyone to just start with that relationship, I think, I think we can have great impact. You're so right, Patty. You know, schools historically have been a safe space. Um, when the shutdown happened though, Kids were forced to go back into spaces that were not safe for, you know, their entire days, months, years. And so when we receive them back, you know, there's more trauma that's there. But I think you're absolutely right. You know, a teacher can create such a safe space by just allowing a student 
the opportunity to share, whether it's, you know, body language, just like it's not good today and, and allowing them that space to come back and be able to function um, in our world again. So that's a really good point. I think that's something we need to hone in that it's not about specialized training. It's that human piece. Well, and you both mentioned, you know, trauma and you both mentioned the safe space and you both it's it's interesting because when you think about it and we think back on it, behavior's always been there. We've always had these issues with behavior. We've always had issues with mental health, but it seemed to be amplified whenever COVID hit because they no longer had that safe space to come to. It was trauma being at home or, or falling out of routine. I mean, you know, therefore, what, a month or two, we were literally so isolated because we were pretty much on lockdown. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't, you know, it, it, it was very traumatic for kiddos that it, it put them in a different mindset. It put them in a different place. And you think back and it's like, we really, we had these issues before. But it really didn't come to the forefront yeah. until the traumatic event of COVID and when our staff, things changed. Our staff were traumatized as well. We've had to change how we provide information to them as well because they're overwhelmed and inundated. It takes me back to the idea of something that, um, that you're doing with your 10 minutes till. And I had never thought about, gosh, just doing a quick little 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, who would have thought of a training like that? We had to put it in the books. It was going to be six hours. We got to right. clock it. You get your CEUs. I mean, it was so formal. And we've really had to change that and really respect that people are functioning on a different time frame. We are completely different people, including the adults. And um, I think the liaison group, that's something I respect out of them. You know, when we talk in our whole group, just the amazing ideas that come out of this group to make the lives of educators, of leadership, um, directors that much better so they can go out and do the work that that we all used to do and still love um, and cherish. Well, it's different time frame, different platform, different, everything. you know, we, we, it, everything has changed when it everything. comes to professional development it's now how can we get it out like you said short and sweet 10 minutes till and that's been a, a phenomenal little series that yeah. region 10 has put together we definitely need to explore other options to be able to follow that format yeah you know what are some ways because I, I do know that there are several administrators that are calling and asking okay i know that we have to have training in differentiation but our teachers are not going to leave the classroom. Do you have some modules? Do you have some videos? Do you have something that Absolutely. I can show them? You know, if we're having to do, you look at the self-assessment and you look at professional development, if we're having to do it more than once a year, give us help in how we can bring that once a year because they can't, it's hard for them to leave for six hours once a year, much less do it two or three times a year. Help us, give us something that we can do that they can do independently you know, that they can print out the certificate to show that they've done it. So, yeah, so our, our work is definitely cut out for us. That's for sure. I like that you said our work is cut out for us because as liaisons, we use the design thinking process, right? And so when we see challenges, like we've all mentioned here that are in special education or just education in general right now, we get to, as liaisons, see those as opportunities to create change. Um, you know, when we came back from COVID, we tried everyone was different you're right mm -hmm. like the way we learned the way we worked the way we functioned our relationships but we tried to put ourselves right back into the same box of school that we left 
and it wasn't the same. And so I love that our work as liaisons gets to see those challenges as opportunities to make change and, and shift education in the right direction. I love that we've talked about these challenges because that's what we get to do. Like we get to, it's so exciting. I know the pivot. Yep. I think another area that we can bring in and we've mentioned educators we've mentioned the kids but our parents too whenever we were placed on lockdown as Jen said I was I thought I was a great teacher and then I had a pre-k student at home with me all day long (laughs) we did um, brain breaks a lot but excuse me is there what what can we do to help them could we do a 10 minutes till series for our for our parents to help them out Um, I think that's another component that we as liaisons could um, I have no doubt help. Evan can do that. <laughs> Put you on the spot, Evan. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that going back to what we are doing here right now, the seven of us, and why we are doing it is our tagline, our motto, whatever you want to call it, is that we're elevating the conversation. In other words, exactly. we're not keeping things that are happening where they are happening. We're not keeping them, not necessarily hidden, but what we're doing is finding a way to reveal those things, to share those things. Because as you have heard around this table, there are things that are time-related that people want to know how to solve those issues. There are things that are behavior-related. How do we solve those issues? There are things, well, how do we help parents? How do we help this group? I think all those things come back to how can we help to elevate the conversation so those things are on people's mind and at the forefront and get prioritized, right? Because <clears throat> going way back in my education career where I heard something talking about accountability, which was you measure what you treasure, right? And so if it's important, we should bring it up and keep it at yeah. the forefront and find ways to to work through those things as opposed to having them stay where they are not getting as much attention. So Pam, you asked the question and I don't know if there's something that you want to talk about, but you didn't give an answer about what you thought might be the biggest challenge. Okay. You're right. I didn't. I'm, I'm going a different way because that's what I do. What I'm finding, and it's coming more from teachers, is it's con- it's a it's a challenge and it's an acknowledgement. The challenge is that we're seeing a population of students that have made academic growth who, who have been identified with intellectual disabilities, they've made academic growth. And so because of their growth, they're no longer qualified, you know, really eligible to take the star all too. Yeah. And, they're, and they're really not prepared they're, you know, academically to take the star, but because they're not eligible for the star all too, because they've made academic growth and have had some sex successes, is that now you know teachers are saying, but they have to take the star, and and my reply is yes, that we have what I call the in betweeners. Yeah, yeah. And this has been this population is growing, because even with COVID, we're seeing kids with intellectual disabilities making academic growth in the state, but yet we don't have a state assessment. And I know about the federal requirements, so I'm not going to get into that piece. Is that the STAR is probably not the most appropriate assessment for them, but they're in general education classes, they're receiving inclusion supports, and that's what we, that's what we want. But we have this thing we call the STAR, the state assessment, that's a little bit problematic. And they're like, well, what do we do? You know, how, do we, like, how do we make peace with this? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let's think about it from the fact that 
this student has made this growth. So they're not eligible for the star all two. They're in general education classes being successful with inclusion supports and, and probably modified curriculum as well. That's what we, we you know, kind of been pushing these. And, you know, it just may be making peace with it that these students will be doing participation only in STAR. At the same time, we also may want to take a look at were the students identified correctly at the beginning? Yep. Is that identification correct? Were they really the students with intellectual disabilities? So maybe it's a, that's another story there. But, I, you know, when I'm looking at this population of students and their adaptive behavior is so similar to their peers and, and they know that they don't want to be in life skills classes. Yeah. They want to be in the gen ed classes and they would do anything, fight tooth and nail just to stay in that class. And, and we just have to accept, yes, we'll have these students in the class. It's probably the most appropriate placement for them, but they will not pass the star, but that's okay. That's okay, because if they're learning skills, that's more important to me than passing the star. Mm -hmm. If they're yes. learning, you know, mm -hmm. more academic skills, the social skills, and they're learning to navigate in, in a in more similar to what the real world is. I don't think, I really don't think high school or junior highs are real worlds. But you know, but huh. with you know, navigate well, it is to them at that time. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> navigate the world that their peers are navigating. Then it's fine. It's just, you know, we just got to make peace with this population of students because we basically, what we're saying is we've done our jobs. Yeah, yeah, I think that's something to celebrate. Right. There's an observable win there, which is exactly. the fact that yeah. those kiddos aren't afraid anymore to get out into that general ed. And it's what we all hope for when we work in special education. Right. And, you know, when we work with parents and we share about STAR as administrators, I know that I would always share that this is just one this is just one thing that happens on one day. It does not define who they are or who they will be. Right. Um, I can speak to star testing with my own son who's served in special education with a learning disability. And he didn't pass a single star test until his, his junior year. But he passed his first one. And it was like a party at our house. <laughs> <laughs> but he was so proud. He never gave up. But I, as a parent, and never let that define him and and I asked the art committee to do the same please don't you know think that he can't or he isn't capable of doing the same work as his peers in class and learning and eventually he'll get there and he did he eventually did and he's applied to college he's going I, I couldn't be more proud so you know the star test just because we can't pass it it doesn't define who we are or what we would be become or you know a lot of parents fear is that it's they won't go to college because of it yeah. right and you and, and his that, teachers gave him grit right. that is going to get him he through. had to dig in deep that's right in fact this morning he called and said mom i have to go to school early because i have to do some some extra work this morning so that i can raise my grade up you know we don't let it be an yep. excuse yep. and and he's really taken that on but i'm proud as a mom because now he knows how to go to college that's right, right. Yeah. and he knows that's how to right. work hard um, and he knows it's not going to be easy, right? And that is a fact. So there's some story. win. There's some celebration yes. in that. Exactly. There is. That's when I get the calls and our special ed directors were, have, you know, beginning to see it. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, is the student appropriately placed where he, needs, he or she needs to be? And they're like, yes. I said, okay, let's not worry about the start test. 
Yep. Let's look right. at the academic growth the students have made. It may not show up on a test, but if they're able to do well in those classrooms and participate and learn, then it's a win. I think it's a win. I think that's a great point. One of the things that we say slang that we use in this process being what it is, but Jen mentioned just a minute ago that, you know, results driven accountability that RDA is out and that those determination levels are coming out and one of the things that we're doing is we're sitting down with directors and we're helping them and their staff to understand what does this mean and how is it measured and what data does it pull, et cetera, et cetera, right? Well, there may or may not be some implications based on that data, but not unlike what Pam is sharing, the wording that we use with them is that at the end of the day, if you were doing what is best for the people involved, best for the kids, best for the parents, best for the staff. If you're doing what is best, sometimes you just have to be okay taking a hickey. <laughs> and that's and that's what we say, right? And and in that way, look, if we're helping these students assimilate out of the restrictive environment into a less restrictive environment and we are helping them get skills and we are helping them grow, we can't worry about whether or not they have a, a pass or a fail on a test. We're doing all these other things which are right for them and that's what has to guide us. Exactly. I agree with that. I think I those are the, you guys, we were talking about challenges, but there are also so many successes. There are so many things in schools you see like this, making the right choice for kids, regardless of a test. Those are things to celebrate and, and something that um, I think SPED Talk does is not only elevate the conversation, but highlights and puts a positive light on educational stories, which is so yeah. needed because easily we can drown in our in our scores or in our pass rates or in our campus ratings. Um, so SPED Talk is really also a platform to celebrate schools and the work they do regardless of their score. And that was the whole intent, I think, when Pam and John started SPED Talk was celebrating, elevating the conversations, but celebrating the positives. And so, you know, that's one of the things that, that John is always saying, you know, we're going to celebrate the positives and we're gonna elevate this conversation. And so all of these issues that we've talked about, you know, the concerns and, and 21st century problems and solutions, I just kinda of wanna mention what brought us here this week, this month in, in Lubbock. We were here, we are here because Monday and Tuesday we held our third West Texas Cotton Bowl Consortium. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a collaboration of seven service centers um, that came together bringing special education directors and administrators together and trying to find solutions to some issues. Uh, kind of a, a program that took over where small and rural schools used to um, provide this service through, uh, what was it called? Small, small School Small School Connections. Connections. And so we kind of took over because that that kind of went away. And so we thought, you know what, let's bring it back different format different name but kind of the same message let's try to find solutions let's have those conversations and so monday and tuesday we had people here from san angelo region we had them from abilene region we had them from el paso region from lubbock from amarillo and from wichita falls and so those are the the regions that are represented in cotton bowl but as liaisons we all got to come be a part of it and so now the conversations has been, how can we take this back to our regions and duplicate it? You know, Jen, we, um, two of our highlight speakers, one was from our district. Right. Um, so, so proud of them. They're a very small and rural school. But when we 
told them that they were asked to come and speak, it just lit a fire. They, um, first of all, could not believe it. Like, what do they have to learn from us? And it, I said, y'all are doing so many things right. You need to share what's happening in your district and how you're keeping staffing. And it was that issue of staffing that right. Patty brought up early, earlier. So we learned a lot through that. But Burleson Center was another one. The, the School for Innovation, they came and presented. And that happened because of SPET Talk. A connection that was made and we brought them on sped talk and then we brought them to the liaisons and they made everybody cry and we thought okay well let's make the whole cotton bowl cry (laughs) and that had that got everybody just about out of their seat saying we want that we want that well monica and jen what a great plug for people to go back into seasons three and four and (laughs) listen to episodes about our our uh experience at the Burleson Center. And there's two separate episodes about Cotton Bowl, one with one of the keynote speakers from last year, Dr. Dyslexia Dude, and one with a a panel of questions and answers with some of our attendees. So opportunity for you, if you uh, are listening to this and haven't gone back in, go go check that out. Good stuff. Very smooth, Evan. Very smooth. (laughs) I I did want to say, I don't know where we are in the process of, of wrapping up or not wrapping up. And I don't want to be the reason that we stopped talking, but Pam, you started us with your selfish reason for why uh, we started this Ped Talk podcast five years ago. I think that the question we ought to be asking is, how might we have an episode that talks about graduation requirements (laughs) for students in Texas? We might be be real close. So that you can fulfill your goal and your dream. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, it was it was it was selfish. We, we need to have a checklist from Pam saying, okay, these were the things I wanted to talk about, specifically graduation requirements. That may be the next one we need yeah. to record. So it was, it was, it was selfish. But the other part was I had a, a colleague at, uh, at uh, ESC 11 who did podcasts. And I would see him with his mic set up and I was like, man, what is he doing? So I'm more curious. And so he sat down with me one day and we'd start talking about podcasts and the advantage of doing a podcast. And, and that that same year, first year starting uh, with the liaisons, and John would always find a way of sitting next to me. And I always thought, man, why is this dude next to me? <laughs> and he just said, you know, Kayla Daniels, too, I, I need to get to know you. And I'm like, okay. And so we would just start talking, and I would say, hey, have you ever d- did a podcast? And he's like, no, but I want to. And if you know John, it's like, yes, yes, dude, let's do this. <laughs> and uh, so I said, okay, let's do it. And so Rod, uh, not Rodney, Brian, he, he walked us through the process and, and we just started it. And that's, and I think that's the unique thing of this is that it was like, yeah, we've never done it. A crazy but, yeah, we can do it. And yeah. that was it. And one thing I learned through the process was that podcasting, even for students, even for kids, give them opportunity for voices because yes. classroom teachers are using podcasts and for students that who may not say anything in the classroom but give them an opportunity to speak out you know in a podcast yep. they they love it so that's kind of it, it. it there goes you know that it goes back to really making us get out of our comfort zones pushing those boundaries and and so here yep. we all are with pam's vision and and john's fortitude to go forward and we've got seven more here that we're doing the same thing so who knows where we'll end up how we'll where we'll go consider most of you have said i don't want to be on the podcast (laughs) i'll work with you doing the podcast but i don't want to be part of you know i don't actually i'll do the scheduling yeah i'll do the scheduling i'll do this and it's like 
what I say, this is open mic. That's right. Yes. The expectation, if you're a member of the crew, you can participate. When you get, when you, you make it easy for us, Pam. You really do. Really. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, sometimes she doesn't give us a choice. <laughs> Jennifer, what do you think? Or Monica, what do you have to say? Okay. Because you all have different experience. That's that's all, that's the beauty of this. I mean, you, you know, if we would add the years, the number of years of sitting at this table, it's, I'm not going to say, it's a lot. <laughs> and I got a large percentage of those. But it's just the fact every one of us have come, we come to this place differently right and we have different stories ourselves and we have different experiences and and that's the beauty and they all have value every they story all have every experience and if we remember that when we're working with kids mm -hmm. because we have you know as teachers i'm going to make an assumption that we all have that feeling whoever walked through that door yep they're coming with different experiences mm -hmm. but they all have the right to be valued mm -hmm. to be respected and to be honored and so that's the way I feel about you all, working with you all, is that every one of you have different experiences and you need to be valued, you need to be honored, and you need to share those experiences as much as you want to with our listeners. Mic drop right there. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's cut it before we all cry. Yeah, I know. So that's going to be it for Spad Talk. And I'm getting sappy, and everybody knows Pam doesn't do sappy. So thank you for listening. And... This is Spad Talk, and we're looking forward to more exciting episodes. John, tell everyone how they can continue to elevate the conversation about special education in Texas. You got it, Pam. They can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Sped Talk 2020. Because in these disconnected times, connecting with others has never been so important. Now more than ever, it takes courage to create culture and kindness to keep us connected. If you enjoyed this episode of SPED Talk, be sure to share it with a friend because information should always flow through us, not to us. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners, and we need your help sharing the amazing transformation occurring in special education. Together, we can change the trajectory of learning opportunities in Texas for students with disabilities. If you have ideas, information, or resources that you think we should share on an upcoming episode of SPED Talk, let us know at SPED Talk 2020 on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and be sure to like our page while you're there. Oh yeah, and if you get a chance, please consider giving us a positive review on the podcast platform that you listen to Sped Talk. Living in the moment and the moment is the future.